Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to another episode of the Gin Jag Podcast. I'm Jordan DeLugo, joined by my man, Jeremy Markoski. Today, it's defense. We previewed the offense last week, so we'll get into the defense this week. Obviously, it is the night before the Pro Football Hall of Fame game. Had a nice little preview for you on the channel earlier today. Raiders, Jaguars in Canton, Ohio. Tony Baselli will be getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. Leroy Butler, the Jacksonville native, getting inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. First NFL game of the 2022 season. The Jaguars and the Raiders, it looks like they're going to steal a little bit of the NFL's spotlight away from Deshaun Watson and Steven Ross, if only for a few hours tomorrow night. I mean, that's going to be a tough task. Let's be real. But, I mean, here we are. We're finally here. It's football time, man. I am so excited just listening to you talk about it, it was getting me hyped up for tomorrow's game. And, and like you said, you know, the funniest thing, like my favorite part about this is, doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter if you like the Jaguars or not. If you want to watch NFL football, you will be watching the Jaguars tomorrow night. So I can't wait. That's right. And you don't even get to watch Trevor Lawrence or Travis Etienne. What a shame. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I get it. You know, obviously. What would what, you expect? Let's be real. Oh, I, I don't. This is not a preview for that for that game, but I didn't think they should start anyone. Oh yeah, uh, no. any of their starters. But it looks like Doug Peterson confirmed that they will. I asked him earlier in the week. He said there will be ones playing. So if, if you're looking for more information about Jags Raiders, go check out the video from earlier today. But if you want to learn more about the Jaguars defense, you're in the right place. A reminder to follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markowski, myself at Jordan DeLugo. Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. And of course, check genjag.com for all these Jaguars news analysis and Duval gear. Make sure to hit that like and subscribe button if are, if you are on YouTube. We appreciate y'all's support so much. Could not do this without you. Let's dive in to the Jaguars defense here, Jeremy. Mike Caldwell, he's the captain of the defense, the defensive coordinator, first year defensive coordinator, comes over from Tampa. Uh, former linebackers coach under Todd Bowles for many years. Brinson Buckner comes over from Arizona, former NFL defensive lineman for the defensive line coach. You've got Bill Shuey at outside linebackers coach, Tony Gilbert inside linebackers. You have that distinction because in the 3-4, those positions are uh, entirely different. Then you've got Deshae Townsend as the cornerback slash passing game coordinator. He comes over from Chicago, a longtime Pittsburgh Steeler corner. Cody Grimm, son of Russ Grimm, is the safeties coach. And Bob Sutton, longtime NFL defensive coordinator, is the senior defensive assistant. 
So you've got a staff that is a lot of experienced NFL guys that have either played the game at a high level, coached the game at a high level, or both for, for quite some time for the most part here. Any coaches on this staff, when you look at the defensive side of the ball, that you're particularly interested in or excited about um, when you look at these guys? It's definitely hard to pick one, right? I'd say all of them. But, I mean, Brenton <laughs> Buckner, um, obviously, you know, hopefully to bring some intensity and some fire to that defensive line. You know, former defensive lineman himself, you know, played in the NFL semi-recently. You know, it's not like he's been out of the NFL forever. So, right. you know – he's going to bring some of that. I think, you know, just as much as we have raved about this offensive staff, we've raved about the whole staff, obviously, um, you know, in general, this defensive staff, the same can be said. I mean, I think they've put a ton of guys in the right position um, to have these guys successful. We talk about former players um, and coaches with tons of experience. And you talk about Mike Caldwell and his experience with linebackers. Well, you just gave him a ton of really good linebackers, both outside and inside. So I'm very excited to see what he can do. Um, you know, down there in Tampa, they were known for exotic defenses, exotic blitzes, you know, doing different things. And the Jaguars have kind of been bland, right? They've, they've kind of had this bland defense. I want to see something change. Um, and I think that these guys are going to do it. Yeah, I think you had a step in the right direction last year with Joe Cullen. Don't think the personnel was quite where it needed to be there. Um, and he wanted to come in and establish that man coverage scheme. And really, this was a team whose players thrived more in zone, and he adjusted to that throughout the season. But, yeah, you'll see even more of that exotic stuff. I agree with you. When I look at this staff, um, I am excited for Mike Caldwell, but this is the first time he has been in the defensive coordinator role, so he's got a lot to prove there. Brenton Buckner, if there was a defensive coach, who had some kind of energy like Phil Rauscher on the offensive line. Brinson Buckner is probably the closest thing to it. He's not as vocal in practice in terms of just being demonstrative and being loud every single play, but he has that high energy. I spoke with him earlier this offseason, and he made me want to go put on the pads and, and get my ass ran over by some NFL players. Uh, I think he's a very good motivator and, and he knows the history of the defensive line in Jacksonville and the history of the organization. When he was playing, he remembers the days where you had the Marcus Strouds and John Hendersons. And even before that, when you had the team in the late nineties that had a really quality defense with a lot of stars on that side of the ball. So he's exciting, but the one I'm looking at who I think has the biggest task outside of Mike Caldwell is Bill Shuey because he has got to get the most out of Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen uh, for this defense to get where they need to go. And he's working with them so much off to the side, specifically those two players trying to get them right. And, and they're working before practice and after practice and during practice. And so Bill Shuey, uh, I like him a lot from what I've been able to glean from him, meeting him and, and all that. But he has, I think, the most responsibility of any of the of the positional coaches on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the cornerstones of that defense are going to be, like you said, Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. You've invested, you know, years worth of draft capital in those two guys. And just fact of the matter is the edge is is dominant in the NFL. You have to have a dominant edge to have a great defense, to have an elite defense. And, you know, the Jaguars, like I said, have, have put those guys in those places up front. Now, they've been building the secondary as well, and I think that we're improving, 
you know, on that front, but up front is where they're going to win volumes, especially defensively, getting pressure, right? Getting pressure on the quarterbacks, not something the Jaguars have done, um, you know, in the years past. And like you said, Bill Shuey, it's going to be on his shoulders because that's where you're going to get the majority of your pressures in this new defensive scheme. It's going to be from the edges. I mean, yeah, you'll get some interior pressure at times. That'd be great. That's going to be icing on the cake. You've got to have Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen in double digit sacks this season if you want to be a top-tier defense. It just has to happen. Yeah, I think um, I certainly think you'd expect Josh Allen to eclipse the 10-sack mark. Trayvon Walker, it'll be interesting to see if he can do it. I think if he can, you got to give a ton of credit to Bill Shuey. And also Trayvon Walker's work ethic, it has been undeniable out there. Like I said, he is early out on the practice field, one of the last guys to leave the practice field every single day. Him and Josh Allen have been tied at the hip, and that's what you want to see. Um, so Bill Shuey certainly has a lot of responsibility to make sure those two uh, uh, produce at the highest level that they possibly can in 2022 and beyond. So looking at this defense from a personnel standpoint, the Jaguars released their first depth chart of the 2022 season earlier this week in advance of, of course, the Hall of Fame game against the Raiders. So right now it looks like up front, and the base defense, you've got Devon Hamilton at nose tackle going into his third year, Boli Fatu Kasi and Roy Robertson-Harris at the two defensive end spots in this base 3-4. Then, of course, Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen on the edge at outside linebacker. Devin Lloyd at Foye Aluakun inside linebackers. Tyson Campbell and Shaq Griffin as your corners. Rayshon Jenkins and Andre Sisco at strong safety and free safety. Uh, respectively. And then when you get into those pass looks, you're going to have Darius Williams out there at nickel. You're going to have Arden Key and Dewan Smoot rotating in to uh, create some interior pressure. And those are going to be your main contributors to start the season, it looks like, for this defense. Um, it is a base 3-4, but I think the most consistent thing about that defensive front will be the inconsistent looks that they give you. They're going to mix it up so much. They're going to be varied. What type of challenge does that present for an offense in your eyes? Oh, so many. I mean, it, it, first of all, it's matchups, right? So, you know, NFL defenses these days, just defenses in general, like that that base defense, you're not going to see that really majority of the time anymore. You used to see it a lot more. Like the tendencies were, were way different than they are today. But defense is evolving in that way. Like you just mentioned, it provides so many avenues for them to be creative. Right, they can, you know, disguise different blitzes, different coverages. When you got, when you have guys that that are playing that big nickel or that nickel that can, you know, hopefully cover a tight end, cover a receiver. You know, it, it definitely allows you to do different things. You don't have to just stunt blitzes on the interior anymore, right? I can, you know, align a certain way, um, and at the snap of the ball, one guy could be covering somebody else, and you've got a guy coming off the edge over here, right? You know, you can do so many different things with the personnel changes when you're not in base. When you're in base, you're stuck to a very specific formation, a very specific alignment, right? These guys can only really cover these guys. You know, personnel are evolving. Um, players are evolving. The defense are evolving. And, and that's exactly what I expect. I think we expect Mike Caldwell to bring to Jacksonville. And I think when you start to look at that depth chart, you start to look at all the different guys in the secondary, um, you know, in the linebacking group as well, you see guys that can move. 
You see guys that can move really, really well and athletic guys. And I think that's going to benefit them a lot. They're going to be able to move guys around, put guys in different positions, and it's going to ultimately lead them to be successful. Now, we'll have to see that on the field, right? It all sounds good in theory and on paper, but at least it's there. The foundation is there. Um, a guy like Andre Sisco, I mean, look at him, right? We, we thought last year he should be starting on the defense and that defense or, you know, that, that staff of last year kind of just pissed that all away for him. Look at him now on the top of the depth chart, you know, first one that comes out, you know, what he did at Syracuse, he is a ball hawk. He is, a you know, one of those guys specifically. You're going to move him around a lot. You're going to have him close to the line of scrimmage. You're going to have him back over the top. You know, he just has to go get the ball because that's what he does best. When you have these packages, uh, you can get out of base formation like this with these guys. That's what you're going to see. That's what you're going to get. And that's how you get the ball back. And you're successful as a defense. Yeah. And base is more for really running downs at this point um, in the evolution of the NFL and looking at the base defensive line, the one surprise I had, I was surprised that Devon Hamilton was listed as the starting nose tackle, not because I don't think he has the talent, but because you had Malcolm Brown, who you brought in here last year, and he's been a starter for a long time in base. When you look at his time in New England, his time in New Orleans, his time in Jacksonville last year, um, it was interesting to me that Devon got, got that nod there and I'm a biggest fan of Devon as anyone. I had him as a second round grade back when he came out in 2020. The Jags got him in the third round, of course. He's now going into year three. What do you think about him sliding into that starter's role and then Malcolm Brown being another depth piece where you maybe didn't have as much depth last year? Yeah, I love it. And I think we've talked about it in the past, but Devon Hamilton really, I think, personally fits that nose role really well specifically in that 3-4 defense, that nose role. And hopefully, maybe, you know, now he's been able to show his power, how he fits that position, and, and that's probably why he's, you know, sprung himself at the top of that depth chart. Um, but when you're in that 3-4 defense as well, right, you know, the, the body style of your, of your down linemen are going to change a little bit too. So guys like Malcolm Brown can play that nose effectively, can play the, that that big end position effectively. And you got a couple different guys fully – um, on, on there as well on the defensive line. I'm not even going to attempt to butcher his last name. I don't want to disrespect him. But, you know, you, you've got Big Foley down there as well, and he can play in the nose. He can play on the end as well. So so not even talk about the, the versatility in the linebacking core and the, in the secondary. The versatility up front is going to give you um, a lot of different looks as well. And I think that's great. you got young guys that hopefully are staking their claim. Hopefully the, the, the coordinators and the coaches see something in Devon Hamilton to have him up there. I think it could be a great role for him. Yeah, and you talk about versatility. Look at that group of linebackers, too. Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen can both set the edge against the run. They're both good weak side run defenders with their ability to you know, close in space. They both can, can drop into coverage well. Uh, Devin Lloyd is a guy who, in, inside linebacker, off-ball linebacker, but you can drop him down as a 3-4 outside linebacker, and he has a more developed pass rush arsenal Arsenal, excuse me, than a lot of the guys that were drafted as pass rushers in this in this previous draft. Now he's not as big; he's only two hundred thirty pounds, but he's got the moves to get the job done. If you drop him in to um, 
to a sub package as a three, four outside linebacker. And, you know, he can run in space, he can cover, he can tackle, he can create turnovers. And the same thing can be said for Foye Aluakun, who led the NFL in tackles last year and has consistently picked off passes and forced fumbles and picked up sacks over the last couple of years when he's been starting for Atlanta. Yeah. And, and they obviously went out for versatility and they got it. And I think, you know, the most important thing, like you said, with, with, with that linebacking core is that they can do those different sub packages so well. And I personally thought when they first brought in uh, Trevon Walker that he might play that end position in the base three, four, right? And you might have Devin Lloyd on the outside with Muma on the inside with Foy and Josh Allen opposite. That's how I kind of thought they were going to position it to begin with. Um, you know, and so Devin Lloyd has an ability, like you said, he's not necessarily a traditional pass rusher. He's not going to go out there and pass, but he's going to go out there and set the edge, right? He's going to go out there and play the run. Um, and he, that's what you're going to look for in a base three, four, right? So I don't necessarily think that they can rule that out either. That's a great, I think, package possible for them. But it's very obvious that Trayvon Walker um, obviously now is going to be setting that edge consistently, and, and that's where he's going to be most of the time. A guy that surprised me on where they put him actually was DeWan Smoot. Um, so, again, he's a bigger guy. He's not really an outside linebacker, um, but he definitely showed some prowess as a pass rusher last year. Um, so I kind of don't like him being inside now. I get that he's not going to be an every down, you know, outside linebacker, but a pass rush specialist, a little bit of a bigger body, you know, he could play a bigger end opposite of Josh Allen. You know, if they switch those guys or if Trayvon's off the field, hopefully they'll rotate him out there as well because he had a career year last year. Yeah, I think DeWan Smoot does offer versatility. I don't think you want him dropping as a 3-4 outside linebacker, but he can do everything else you would possibly want an edge player to do, in my opinion. And so I do think, Right now, the Jaguars are solely focusing on Trayvon Walker as an outside linebacker because they want to get him up to speed with his pass rush skill set. They know he can do everything else at a high level. You saw it consistently at Georgia. So I do think, like you said, at some point this season, down the road, when, when they feel comfortable with Trayvon Walker's development, when Devin Lloyd is back from his hamstring, when Chad Muma is showing that he deserves to be on the field, that you could see that that package that you were talking about with with Muma and Aluakun as your off-ball linebackers, Devin Lloyd as one of your outside linebackers, and, and Trayvon Walker with a hand in the dirt, like you said. But I'll tell you what, I do get excited thinking about a pass rush, uh, clear pass rushing situations, having Arden Key and Dewan Smoot in the middle with Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen on on either side of them. I do think that could that could offer a lot of juice in those clear pass rushing situations. Yeah, it most definitely could. And one thing I wanted to touch on when we talked about, you know, you don't want DeWan Smoot dropping. 100% agree. I'm also not quite sure if they're ready to have Josh Allen and Trevon Walker dropping either. They're going to have to at some point, right? They're going to be right. your outside linebackers. They're going to have to do it. I hope they get better, right? They're probably not accustomed to doing that right now. But, again, Talking back on versatility, when you have inside linebackers that can range like that, that have that ability to get from sideline to hash, hash to sideline, you don't necessarily have to have your guys, you know, drop it into flats or drop it into the quarters, right? You can always have those outside linebackers play those positions as well, range those positions, have, you know, secondary guys, nickel guys, safeties dropping down to play that middle portion of the field. Um, and, and that's, again, another different way that they can disguise coverages, get guys moving in different situations to throw off quarterbacks. So, yes, you don't want them dropping down, um, dropping necessarily out of the flats or into 
um, you know, cover two or anything like that, but you can do things so they don't have to and still have them on the field. Yeah. And then when you get into the secondary here, I wasn't super excited about the prospect of Rayshon Jenkins being a holdover and being a starter again in Jacksonville, but the money kind of tied them to him because no one's going to take on that contract after the year he had last year. And you can't get out of it really until following the 2022 season, but he has impressed me throughout camp. He's consistently made plays. He's consistently been vocal, uh, a leader. He's he's encouraging everyone else out on the field. And so he's impressed me. And I think he's ready to play more like the guy you saw for the chargers prior to arriving in Jacksonville than the player you saw last year. And that can be really good for the Jaguars defense. But uh, I love what they have in Tyson Campbell and Shaquille Griffin and Darius Williams as your top three corners. And then Andre Sisco at free safety. I think there's a lot of playmaking there. Yeah. There's a ton of playmaking and a ton of potential, right? We still got to see what these guys can do. I, you know, I saw scars uh, for some of the games that, that the secondary had last year, but tons of potential. And for Rayshon Jenkins specifically, you know, obviously we didn't get his best last year. We understand everything that was going on in that locker room. Some guys don't respond to that well. I'm not saying that was the case in any way, shape, or form, but you always heard good character things about him, and we kind of saw that, you know, contradicting itself last year. Now we see the good Rayshon Jenkins on the field, encouraging teammates, like you said. You're out there every day. You see it. You know you know what kind of character he brings. Um, so obviously that's a step in the right direction as well. You know, it doesn't just happen on the field. It happens in the locker room as well. So you need those guys. And, you know, the safety position is going to be a key for the Jaguars defense this year. So having good morale, having good chemistry, having a guy that's out there communicating and keeping guys, you know, accountable, that's, that's going to help. Yeah, it is. And when you look at um... – when you look at Tyson Campbell, he really came on over the back half of last year. When Andre Sisco did get the snaps that he did towards the end of the season, he performed at a high level. Shaquille Griffin, he's one of the guys that I think is uh, one of the more interesting names because he's kind of gone under the radar this offseason. He's not talked about as much as some of the other young players on this defense. But outside of him not being able to capitalize on those interceptions last year, I think he played really good football and he's made that a point of emphasis to go out and he's been trying to catch everything that he can possibly catch this off season. And he's, he's come up with two interceptions in practice so far. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that, that was definitely our biggest gripe on him last year. Like you said, you know, with the dropped interceptions, because he had many balls that hit him right in the hands. So you got to have those opportunities. Um, you got to take those opportunities, excuse me, if you're going to win football games in the national football league, if, if teams are going to put, the ball back in your hands. You got to go score some points. So, you know that obviously was a big part in, in the Jaguars' success last year as well, or lack of success, I should say. Um, that needs to turn around. Yeah, yeah, it does. Now, when you look at the investments on the defensive side of the ball, obviously Darius Williams coming in at nickel. He's a player who has primarily played on the outside throughout his career, but. The one thing that I was a little worried about was like, can he hold up against the run when you're in the nickel packages on on the interior, you know, playing closer to the line of scrimmage? We'll see how how it plays out there. But one thing he has brought to the table throughout his career is the ability to stick his nose in and tackle. I was shocked to see just how efficient of a tackler he's been throughout his career. I think he has a missed tackle rate of around 7%, which would be really good for a linebacker. 
much less a a cornerback. Um, so excited to see him in there. We know he can cover. Uh, we know he's a little undersized, but his ability and and his clearly when you're that small and you're that good at tackling, it's just want to and and technique. Yeah, I don't. I can't. I can't admit to, to say that I'm well versed in in tackle percentages, but. That sounds good to me. And anytime you can find a cornerback that can tackle effectively, that's such a huge bonus for your team. Um, but again, you know, we go back to, to the versatility as well. If he's not that guy, you know, they're going to find somebody who is. You, you need a secondary guy who is effective off the edge and run support. I think Rudy Ford was a guy that, that a lot of us talked about last year and possibly taking on that role. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get some, some shots at that as well. Darius Williams, we know what he can do in coverage, um, and you're going to start seeing, you know, three, four wide receivers a lot more in NFL offenses, and some of these guys are covering tight ends down too. So, you know, it's not necessarily going to to limit to what him limit him to what he can do, um, but we've got other guys who can step in and I think fill that role as well. Yeah, yeah. You look at Trey Herndon has been playing really well this training camp. Um, Xavier Crawford is a player who followed Deshae Townsend over from Chicago. And he's made some plays in training camp. You've got your rookies that you brought in at corner as well. So there are some options there, but I think Darius Williams is certainly an upgrade when you look at coverage at the very least. So one big bet the Jaguars made this offseason was that investing in their off-ball linebackers so heavily. You know, you, you brought in Foya Lucan for $15 million per year. You traded up to 27 to draft another off-ball linebacker in Devin Lloyd, giving up your second, fourth, and sixth-round picks. And then you take Chad Muma in the third round. All of these players are players I'm a fan of. I'm happy they're in Jacksonville. But when you look at the big picture, could some of that uh, investment have been made to try to bring in a a receiver who could potentially be a long-term number one? like a George Pickens uh, or like who knows if Allen Robinson would have signed here if you threw him even even bigger bag. But let's say you tried to pay Allen Robinson instead of Foye Aluakun. What is going to generate uh, the most wins for the team? I think betting on linebacker over trying to go get another playmaker that could be a, a legit number one potentially is a big bet. And I, I think that the Jaguars over the next few years are going to see how that pays off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I agree. Um, you know, they, they also kind of backed themselves in a corner. They had to invest in that position heavily this all season because they got rid of miles Jack. Right. And, you know, a long time ago, they got rid of Joe Schobert. They did not resign Damian Wilson. Right. They kind of let that, you know, interior, um, position group, you know, fizzle out, but they knew they were bringing a new staff. They knew things were changing. So they had to do that anyway. They had to go get guys that fit that system um, a lot better. And, you know, honestly, the more that I look at it, the more I think about it, yes, I've, I've often said we need to go get that receiver. And I still think we should have, and I'm still bummed that we didn't. However, I do find solace in thinking that possibly, you know, they're taking a different route to this. Um, it's, it, we all know it's not going to be a one-year fix. There's different ways to build a team. My thought process might just be they knew the defensive talent was there and they weren't going to have to pay a premium for it this year. Um, so hopefully they're building that young defensive core that's going to help them win games next year. And with a competent quarterback, a competent offensive coach, you know, possibly can they squeak out six, seven, eight wins this year. 
Maybe. We'll see. And I think, you know, now that you've got that defensive base built, right, you don't have to invest nearly as much money because a lot of those guys are younger and on rookie contracts. You take that money, you can go invest it offensively. I'm just spitballing here, right? But who knows? You know, that, that, that could be a recipe for success. And I think they're at least on the track if you look at it from that perspective with the way they built this defense. Yeah, and I do think that they made a conscious effort to bring in veterans for Trevor Lawrence to throw the football to versus young players. Clearly, I mean, they didn't draft any receivers. Uh, so that that's the bet they made. They said, we want veterans. We want guys who are going to be where they're supposed to be and, and make the plays that they, they're supposed to make for Trevor Lawrence. And on the defensive side of the ball, they invested heavily in that linebacker group. I'm not being critical because, again, I like all three of the linebackers they brought in. But it will be a situation to monitor, right? Like you've got George Pickens, who I had a first round grade on. I know you liked him too. Out there in Pittsburgh, already balling out in training camp practices. Looking like he'd probably be the Jaguars' best receiver right now. Yeah, right the second. Oh, man. You could have have taken him at 33 without trading up. Um, So... Again, not being critical, but these are bold decisions the Jaguars made on the defensive side of the ball. And I do think their defense is better for it. Absolutely. And uh, I'm excited to see how it all plays out. Do you think this group has what it takes to to slow down these rushing attacks in the AFC South? You're going to have to slow down Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, even Damian Pierce is now in Houston and they also brought in Rex Burkhead and Marlon Mack. They're not going to try to just be an air it out team with Davis Mills going into his second year. They're going to try to run the football in Houston. Do the Jags have what it takes to slow down the run and give themselves a chance in this division? Do they? Look, man, I don't know. I really hope they do, but am I confident that they will? Let me put it this way. Yes, based on the moves that they made, right? If all goes right and, and the players are in the right spot, they have built this defense to stop the run. They've built this defense to win the AFC South. You've got a front seven that is truly built to stop the run. You've got two big outside linebackers. Trayvon Walker, first and foremost, is a run edge setting edge linebacker. Yes, he looks like he's going to be a freak in the past game. We hope he can develop those skills, but first and foremost, that's what he is. And you've got big guys inside. Um, that you hope are going to also assist in stopping the run. You've got, you know, great athletic linebackers in Devin Lloyd and Chad Moore, who I think also are going to be much more proficient in filling gaps and stopping the run than they would be in the past game, right? And you've built that secondary to hopefully be able to support that front seven, but make no doubt about it, this is what they're built for. So, yes, I, I do think they can, obviously, if they put the, the right guys in the right place because I think they have the right game plan. Um, but it all comes down to personnel. You know, did you get the right personnel? Is Trayvon Walker the right guy? I think he's the right guy, you know, for what they want to do, or at least what it seems like they want to do. But we'll see if he can perform. Josh Allen's going to have to prove himself. Um, you know, and guys like Foley, um, you know, who are who are coming off of, of career years who, you know, somewhat got paid, right? This is, you know, their, their big stop. You know, can they reproduce um, that production? <laughs> That's probably poor review. And they and they give us that production again. Can we see it again, man? I hope yes. what they're built for. It really is. Like you said, you're, I mean, you, you you put that question right in there perfectly. Because who do you play six times a year? You know, you play the Colts, you play the Titans. And they run the ball a lot. They run the ball a heck of a ton. You know, Houston they'll get there too. They run the ball a lot. 
you know, historically that's what the AFC South is built on. Yeah, it is. And um, they're going to need to be able to stop the run, whether or not they will be able to remains to be seen. It looks like the pieces are in place for them to do so from my vantage point, not only from the starters, but Chad Muma is going to be a backup linebacker. He is a good run defender. Malcolm Brown is going to be a backup defensive tackle, a good run defender. So hopefully, even if there is some attrition, you can still hold up on on the front seven. And I think Rayshon Jenkins and Andre Sisco are both good tacklers at safety. And Tyson Campbell and Shaquille Griffin, they'll put their nose in there too. You've seen it last year. Uh, that they're not they're not afraid to get their nose dirty against the run. So it looks like the Jaguars have what it takes to slow down some of these rushing attacks. We'll see if they can, because you can do everything you want in the world. There's just some days where if those offensive lines are clicking and you've got Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor behind them, there's nothing that defense is going to do to stop them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. But but you have to. As long as I don't actually see Mr. Foley try to reproduce on the field, then we are okay. <laughs> yeah, I think we can both agree on that one. I think everyone can agree on that one. So uh, we talked about the run defense. You know, that's important in the AFC South, and it's important no matter where you play. But the NFL is a passing league now. Even if the Colts and the, and the Titans want to stick with the running game, They've still got talented receivers out there. The, the Titans have Robert Woods. They have um, Traylon Burks, who they brought in. They also brought in the kid out of UCLA, who I'm drawing a blank on his name. He's a little slot receiver who, who really gets the job done at a high level. The Colts, they have Michael Pittman. They have Alec Pierce. Uh, they have some weapons. Naheem Hines out of the backfield. Brandon Cooks is in Houston. So the Jags are going to have to stop the pass as well. They're going to have to get after the pass passer, uh, you know, create pressure up front and, and and match that on the back end with with some decent coverage. How do you feel about the passing game on defense at this point? I mean, you know, yes, you you definitely named some, some de- decent names there, um, but I mean, your your, your two biggest threats are definitely going to be probably uh, Brandon Cooks and um, who would you say the other biggest threat would probably be the division. I think each team has a legitimate threat at receiver. I do think Michael Pittman developed a lot last year. I do think Traylon Burks is going to be a little bit of a problem in Tennessee. And we'll see. Robert Woods is still recovering from the ACL, but that's Robert one of Woods. the most consistent receivers in the NFL. Right. Robert Woods. There you go. That's, that's the other guy you mentioned. And, and right, you just said, I'll cut off the ACL injury, so I don't know what he's going to be. Um, and Brandon Cooks is definitely a good receiver. Please do not take that out of context. However, the Jaguars do not face elite receivers at all this year within the division. I would not, not say within the division. Yeah, I would not say there's a single elite receiver. So I agree. And we're just talking about the division, right? We're just focusing on the AFC South right now. So I agree. You know, I, I, I take that in perspective that the Jaguars don't have to have an elite secondary because they don't face elite receivers in the division. Now, you know, and that's what you're trying to win, right? You're trying to win the division. Then you look at it this way. Okay. The Texans have Davis Mills. Showed some flashes last year. Definitely torched the Jaguars. Don't get me wrong. He torched them pretty bad. I was there. But still a second-year quarterback. We don't really know what, what we are going to get out of him yet. He's got some promise for sure. But the Jaguars can hopefully get to that guy. The Colts bringing in an aging Matt Ryan, right, after they had a, a, a patch year with, with Carson Wentz. The Jaguars ended that year. You're hoping the Jaguars can figure it out and, and, and get to Matt Ryan. Again, he's not throwing to any elite receivers. 
right? So, okay, let, let, let's nip it in the bud and let's stop Matt Ryan. And then look at Tennessee. That's probably your, your best, you know, competition, obviously. They've got Derrick Henry, who, you know, is just takes over, you know, games on his own. But, again, not really an elite receiver unless Robert Woods comes back and needs that guy and you have a question mark with Tannehill. I mean, you do. Or what are we going to see? You know, he's usually pretty consistent in the regular season. Right. Yes, he's, he's been decent in the regular season. We'll right. give him that. So that obviously doesn't, you know, really kind of – give me any any hope for the Jaguars this year. But I think the success of the secondary, right, is going to be predicated by what goes on up front because they are going to have to grow. The secondary is still very young, still very new. They're going to have to grow together. I think they're going to benefit um, from being able to get some playing time. Again, not against elite receivers in the division with a front seven that I think is going to be coming after the quarterback, especially quarterbacks I don't really think are that great in this division. So – I think they're going to fare pretty well. I really do. I think it's going to be, you know, can we stop the run? Because um, I don't I don't think a lot of teams are going to be trying to beat us with the pass first. Yeah, not until you get to that middle stretch where you play the AFC West. Yeah, that's a whole – that's going to be that's going to be an ugly stretch. They're going to get tested then, though, right? Yeah. You hope by that point you, you, you've built up at least some confidence. At that point, you know, you're, you're clicking on all cylinders. I do think the Broncos are going to try to run the ball a lot with Javante Williams and – and Melvin Gordon, Chiefs are going to air it out. Chargers are going to air it out. Raiders are going to air it out. So that's going to be that's going to be tough though. Have, drawing the AFC West in a year where you're trying to bounce back and, and get back to respectability probably not the best hand to draw there. But any other year, had they not brought Russell Wilson and Devontae Adams in there, like right? What? Yeah, crazy. Crazy, crazy times out in the West. I guess you could call it the Wild Wild West. I was actually just on the Wild Wild West podcast. It's a group of guys that do, you know, Broncos, Chargers, Raiders, Chiefs, and uh, we were talking about the game tomorrow. So uh, shout out to those guys. Very friendly group over there. But I, I do believe in the personnel on this defense. I think... The talent is there across the board to to be a really good defense in this league, both against the run and against the pass, and to have versatile playmakers that can do different things and operate within that Todd Bowles, Mike Caldwell, uh, you know, exotic looks up front. My questions are, it's really not about the talent. It, it's about First-time defensive coordinator. I believe in Mike Caldwell. I think he's a really smart coach. I think he communicates well. I think he teaches well. And I think his staff does too. But he is still a first-time defensive coordinator. He has not had the responsibility of play calling, of managing an entire defense. So that's a new challenge for him. Is he up to that task? And then you're going to have at least nine new heavy contributors between free agents draft picks and players that are ascending in the defense, like Andre Cisco ascending into the starting lineup, Devon Hamilton ascending into the starting lineup. That's a lot of newness and you've got a lot of youth. So looking at all that stuff, I think time could be the biggest downfall and just a lack of time before the start of the regular season to get all these pieces mixed up together I'm not saying that they can't. I'm saying I think that is the only real potential downfall I see with this defense is how quickly it all comes together. Yeah, I agree. But but the good thing is we don't need to be in midseason form 
you know, come week one, right? You just said that you think time is going to be the downfall, whereas I look at it as time could actually be a benefit, right? Not necessarily that we have a lack of time to get them ready for the regular season, but that over time, this young defense could mesh together. Because I agree with you. I do think you look at what they have on paper, you look at the athletes, you look at the skill, you know, you look at just the players that they have on there, you think they can be a really great unit. It's going to take time for them to mesh. And I think that's more important than rushing them to be ready. Let them fail. Like, I don't think anyone realistically expects the Jaguars to uh, contend for a title, contend for for a playoff spot, to contend for um, a division title at that point. You know, I mean, could we be in the hunt? Sure. I think that's really all what fans are hoping for this year, just to be somewhat competitive and be in the hunt. So give these guys time to grow because – you do have a young core, you know, let them, let them grow together, let them build together. And at least in my opinion, defensively, right. You know, you definitely get to hit your groove and, and you kind of hit that groove a little bit earlier than offense. Offensively, you're going to be installing stuff, you know, probably well into, you know, the week, you know, you're obviously your game change playing your game plans change. It's a little bit more um, complex, right? Once that defense hits stride and they mold together, Right, they're going to be a great unit moving forward. That's what we need this this unit, these guys to do. Yeah, I'm with you there. Now, if you had to narrow it down just to one player, who are you most excited about on the defensive side of the ball for the Jaguars? That's easy. That's easy for me. It's Andre Cisco. Right, I want to see his ability to create turnovers, to go and get the ball. Right, we talked about it so much when he was drafted. I think he had, I think it was, was it 24 total turnovers. Um, I think at Syracuse or something like that. It was it was like uh, fourteen or sixteen and twenty four games. I think. Okay, all right. Those are the yeah. numbers, right? But, but it was a ridiculous number, and it wasn't just you know in the secondary. He was forcing fumbles, right? Mm-hmm. Making plays on the ball, interceptions. Let him go be um, you know that kind of player. Let him go play. Like I said earlier, over the top. Let him play near line of scrimmage. Let him go get the ball. I can't wait to see what he can do. We saw what kind of player he could be last year in short spurts towards the end of the season, right? I mean, I, I think he could be a legitimate, um, you know, top 10 safety in this league. I really do. Um, and, and we'll see where he takes us. But I think he's going to be a vital role um, and a vital guy on this on this defense as it, you know, it, it makes its way on the come up. Yeah, for me, I love Andre Sisco. I'm with you. Everything he's done since he stepped foot in Jacksonville, I've been impressed with. Um, I'm looking at – it's a hard decision for me. It's hard. I'm excited about several of these guys. You know, Trayvon Walker's the first overall pick. He's looked like a big, mean SOB since he's gotten pads on. He's been pushing people around and making plays out on the field. I'm excited about Devin Lloyd, who you know my top linebacker in the draft, Devin Lloyd was. But I'm going to go with Tyson Campbell. He really turned it on over the back half of last year. Um, he's been everything you would expect from him so far throughout OTAs and training camp. And, and he's kind of been a no-fly zone on his side of the field that Jaguars and Trevor Lawrence have kind of stopped testing him uh, overly or, or a lot, I should say. They did it a few times on, on one of the first few days of camp, and he just shut everything down. And his last play he made, he uh, what did he say? He's like, he said, it's Chick-fil-A on Sundays. It's not open. Always closed. 
Yep. So I like that. I like the swagger he's playing with. And he's a player when the Jaguars drafted him at 33 overall in 2021. I was a little critical, a little skeptical. And and so far, it looks like he's making me eat crow. And I'm happy to because I really like the kid. And I'm excited about his future here in Jacksonville. Yeah. (laughs) Like you said, first of all, he, he just turned it up last year. Right, towards the end of the back half, we were both pretty critical of him. You know, I, I won't shy away from that either. And nothing is better than them proving us wrong. Like I always say that when people are always like, when people will will criticize you for being wrong. I'm glad I was wrong. Right, I'm just I'm just going off what I see. But Tyson Campbell has proved me wrong time and time again. I hope he continues to. He's got that swagger. You know, you've been out there. Obviously, you, you see it. And, and quarterbacks kind of got to have a little bit of that nasty edge, man. They always do on the football field. Cornerbacks got a little edge. They bring a little edge to the team. So good for him. And again, young, skilled. I mean, and, and the knock on him was, again, he was one of those raw prospects, kind of like Trevon Walker does when or, or was when he was drafted. And, you know, wasn't necessarily a polished corner yet, but he's starting to look like one. He's starting to look like a polished down corner. You know, or at least he's on his way there from what we're seeing. He's got to get there still, but he's on his way, and I love it. Yeah, very exciting stuff for him. All right, who is the Jaguars' defensive MVP in 2022 when everything is said and done? Who do I think it will be, or who does it have to be? Who does it need to be? That's a very, who do you think it'll be? I think it'll be Josh Allen. I really do. I think Josh Allen's going to take a step up um, this year, and he's going to obviously have the benefit of some help. With I think guys are going to be able to get to the quarterback regardless of where they are along this defensive line. You've got guys that have proven – they can rush the passer in some capacity, and we just haven't had that in the past, right? The numbers are there. Arden Key, even though he had a career year, you know, he, he got to the quarterback, what, I think it was six times um, last year or something like that. And then um, you take, you know, Dewan Smoot's numbers. And then, you know, anyways, the point is you've got those guys who are going to accumulate those sack numbers over, you know, the, the course of the season. Josh Allen now needs to reap the benefits of that when offenses have to you know, account for other guys as well, not necessarily just brush them off to the side. Hopefully Trayvon Walker is one of those guys, and hopefully it springs Josh Allen free over there on the weak side, and, and he is constantly eating up the quarterback. I think it needs to be Trayvon Walker, though, right? <laughs> you would love to have both guys, Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, be absolute studs, and the microscope, you know, it, it's 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 there for the pick, for that number one overall pick of Trayvon Walker. So, I think it'll be Josh Allen. I want it to be Josh Allen. I'd love to see him take that jump. But I think you need it to be, um, you know, Trevon Walker or at least, you know, a combination of the two. Yeah, I think it's Josh Allen too. Normally I like to offer a different uh, a different take, but I don't think you can look anywhere other than Josh Allen at this point. He was their best defensive player last year. He's been their best defensive player for several years now um, since Calais Campbell left. In my opinion, he has been, and uh, he hasn't been as consistent as he wants to be, as he needs to be. But I think with a, a rejuvenated locker room, a rejuvenated Josh Allen, an inspired team that now feels like they're being treated like grown men, like adults, like professionals, I think Josh Allen does take that leap to become a more consistent player in Mike Caldwell's scheme, uh, especially when it comes to getting quarterback on the ground. Mike Caldwell asked him, why are you not the best defensive player in football? And that has been his mantra all offseason. And and now into training camp, he wants to be the best defensive player in the NFL. I'm not saying he can do that, but I definitely think he's the best defensive player on the Jaguars roster right now. And I think he'll prove that this season and and be 
if he does not make the Pro Bowl, I think he will have a Pro Bowl caliber year. Yeah. <laughs> you've got to have not one. Well, you've, you've got – you thought you had one. But now you've got to have two dominant pass rushers this year. you got to have two dominant pass rushers. How is he going to make the Pro Bowl? How is he going to have a Pro Bowl caliber year but not make the Pro Bowl? Well, Jaguars players have Pro Bowl caliber years all the time and get passed up for the Pro Bowl. Oh, okay. Fred I Taylor think- made the Pro Bowl one time in his career. Okay, I get it. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, yeah. Like I'm talking about when you turn it on, turn on the film, is this guy playing <laughs> like he belongs? Not, not getting recognition. Yeah, and, yeah. and why, I mean, why can't he be, right? You know, the best defensive player in football. Why can't he be? Um, there's not anything that says he can't be. You know, the fact that you're right, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know if he has the ability to be Aaron Donald. Let's be real, but you don't have to be Aaron Donald, right? No one's <laughs> asking you to be Aaron Donald, but become a top pass rusher in the league, right? Become a top pass rusher, you know, in, in the conference, the division, whatever you got to do, take those steps. But we've got to start seeing that from him because he was what? Uh, I think he was a number seven. six overall pick, five, seven, number seven, seven, mm-hmm. right? So you got, you got a top 10 uh, for a couple of years ago on one side, you got a number one overall on the other. So, I mean, you you've eventually got to hope that he gets somewhere within that, you know, realm of, of, of a first round draft pick ish career, you know? Yeah, he needs to be a top 10 edge rusher, in my opinion, this year. Got to be. Uh, we'll see if he can do it. All right, so when we wrap up here, let's give our listeners, where will the Jaguars finish in total defense in 2022? Ooh, just like the offense, I think they'll finish middle of the pack. I'd probably say anywhere from 17 to 19. So, okay, a little bit below average. But I think that, you know, they're, they're going to have some decent games. They have some decent matchups this year. I do think having to, you know, match up against Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor twice a year is going to be the downfall, um, you know, of, of their numbers and, and their rankings or whatever you could say. Because I think, you know, Derrick Henry has a field day every time he plays Jacksonville. And until he does it, the Jaguars show that they can um, stop that offense. And, you know, I don't – you know, I'm a man of little faith. I, I think like I talked about the, this, you know, last hour, I think they're on the right path. They're putting guys in that position, but I still got to see it. So I think they'll probably still struggle, um, you know, in the run. They'll probably give up some, you know, pretty big games. I think overall, though, we'll be pretty pleased with their performances. I'm not necessarily worried about their overall ranking at the end of the year. Um, the offense is a little bit different with the way I view that. I think you got to put up numbers, you know, even if you're not winning games on offense to really be successful. But the defense, if you're putting up, you know, good performances and you're not winning games, not necessarily always your fault. Um, and that's not saying the offense is either, but it's, you know, you just know it's a different, it's a different aspect. So they've got to have good performances and, and those games that they're evidently going to have, or, or, you know, are definitely going to have where Derrick Henry goes for 250 yards. Like you'll, you'll take those, you know, as long as they are improving, I'm not saying you take those forever, but I got to see this defense getting better. And, and next year, you know, we take another jump and hopefully we see some resistance against the run this year too. Yeah, for me, it's all about how long it takes to come together. I'm a little bit more bullish on the talent and, and the scheme here. I think this defense finishes the 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 year as a top half of the league defense, and I think it's going to be somewhere in the 10 to 12 range when everything is said and done because I don't see a chink in the armor, and I do think there is depth here. And I think when you look at bringing these exotic looks, having – 
Arden Key and Dewan Smoot as as rotational rushers, and Darius Williams as your nickel now, and Tyson Campbell taking a step, Andre Cisco taking a step, Josh Allen taking a step. The ability to stop the run with with the big boys up front with Foye Aluakun and Devin Lloyd and Chad Muma if he ends up getting on the field. I, I just think there's too much talent and too much quality coaching to not finish strong for this defense down the stretch. Yeah, and I'll just leave you with this thought. If I had to pick one unit on either side of the ball that I thought was going to overperform, I'd pick the defense, right? So I, I think you're right on there. I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if, if you were spot on with your analysis of, of them being a top-tier defense, and I really hope they can get there. Uh, but, again, you know, I've, I've just got to see it before I can get yeah, it. 10 to 12 isn't top-tier, right? It's like – it's above average. It's good, but it's not. It's not one of the best defenses in football. I think they need more time, more experience, maybe an upgrade at a position or two uh, to really get there to be one of the really elite defenses. But I think they're going to be a damn good defense by the end of the season. So yeah, that, that, that's where I think the difference lies, right between like top tier and like you say top tier. I think if you if you're one of the top fourteen. Not fourteen. Okay, it's not that far because fourteen teams make the playoffs, right? But right. but if you, if you have a a top, you know, within that range, defense numbers wise, right? And you're in the playoffs, right? And you're in there like that. That's going to be totally different. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it will be a playoff caliber defense by the time the season ends. Right. So I mean, that that to me, I, I would go ahead and say that that's at least top tier. I don't think they'll be elite yet, right? But putting them in that in that you know, in that league of, of playoff worthy playoff caliber defenses, if that's how they get there, if that's, you know, what, what, what got to that point, then I think that's tough. I think that's way better than obviously what we've seen last few years too. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. No question about it. So I think we're both encouraged by the moves made this off season. I think both of us see it as a work in progress still. Mike Caldwell is going into his first year as defensive coordinator. There are a ton of new pieces. This is a team that has been horrible, horrible over the last two seasons. Four wins in two years. So they've got a long way to go, and they're going to have to prove they can get it done um, on Sundays this fall. We'll see if they can do it. But that is going to wrap up our Jaguars defensive preview. Again, we did offense last week if you want to go check that out. And we've got a preview of the Jaguars and Raiders preseason Hall of Fame game up on the channel as well. You can check all that out. Follow Jeremy on Twitter at Jeremy Markowski, myself at Jordan DeLugo, Generation Jaguar at Generation Jag. Check GenJag.com for all the latest Jaguars news, analysis, and Duval gear. Have a great weekend, Duval. Enjoy Tony Baselli getting into the Hall of Fame. Leroy Butler, another local Jacksonville legend. Make it a good one, y'all. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. 
If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.